Hello and welcome to the Crowdfunding Champions podcast. I'm Rob Wilson and my guest today is Steve Wilkinson, the founder of the Happy Drinks Co, who has collectively raised over 19 million pounds across five campaigns on Cedars. Steve, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And for those who aren't familiar with Happy Drinks Co, could you give us a quick overview of the business? Yeah, of course. You know, our, our journey started when my business partner, Ian Minton, was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of 23. His world was sort of turned upside down at then, um, and he had limited choices, and he found he had to compromise. You know, he, he had to eradicate sugar from his diet, but the only option was chemically sweetened drinks. My background was in finance. And when I met Ian, I just left the office having traded Fever Tree um, shares, and they were trading at about £36 at the time, which gave them a market value of like £4.5 billion. So it's huge. So we had something to compare against. And we started sharing some ideas, and we we're actually sipping a gin and Fever Tree. And it was only when Ian refused the second drink because he was diabetic. That's when I quickly realized that there's an opportunity here because you know people don't realize that even in the um, a refreshingly light fever tree that's still 5.8 grams of sugar. So he said, he, you know, he said, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't have any more. Um, and I was like, right, okay, this is really interesting. And I told him the story about just been trading these shares. So we come up with the idea of creating a mixer, which was no sugar, no artificial sweeteners, no calories, and it had no compromise. You know, So Skinny Tonic was born, a brand which we love the name of. We, we spent ages creating this amazing drink. COVID hit as we're about to launch to the on trade. So we quickly had to adapt our business model from sort of a single brand to become a manufacturer because we couldn't find anyone to manufacture our products for us, but we had a listing in Asda we had to fulfill. So we created our own factory up in the Northwest. And now I'm delighted to say that we started off with 6,000 square foot. I'd like to say now we've got a brand new state-of-the-art facility, which is over 45,000 square foot. And we're looking to expand that again. And now we're expanding our brands as well as our facilities. This year, we'll be launching the world's healthiest children's drink, the same lines as Skinny, and that's in a partnership with Emoji. And also, we're launching Happy Soda, which is in collaboration with an iconic global brand. But I'm currently under NDA for that at the moment. But I should be able to share that with you uh, in the next couple of weeks. You know, it was a fantastic opportunity for us. And now... Whereas we've been manufacturing for other companies, Marks and Spencers and Lidl, their tonic waters, not sharing our USP of zero calories and you know zero sugars like we're skinny. But now we're focusing back this year. Now the world's opened up. COVID, Brexit has all been pushed to one side. Obviously, we've got the issues with Ukraine and Russia. But now we're going to focus back on brands again. And it's going to be a really, really exciting year this year. Incredible. I think that's such a powerful uh, story. And it's so great to see the progress that you've made over the last few years. One thing that you missed out of that story was your crowdfunding. I know that today, you know, you've launched uh, nearly 12 million pounds through Cedars, currently live at the moment on your fourth campaign. How did crowdfunding come about for you? And why did you decide to launch your first campaign and then continue to raise after that? Basically, the growth of the business, we found ourselves in a position, you know, forced maybe to some degree by setting up our own manufacturing facility, but then the opportunities keep presenting themselves. And even now, you know, we've got contracts waiting to be signed for 2023. And part of this raise, our new bottling line, which will be coming in September, is already going to be full to capacity as soon as it's installed, which is crazy. The growth journey we're on, it is real hockey stick growth. 
And so what made you decide to go down the route of crowdfunding for your first campaign? Was there any particular reason why you decided to launch a crowdfunding campaign versus you know, just raising the investment privately? Yeah, definitely. You know, we've always been very well financed and well backed by high net worths and in this raise actually institutions as well. But for FMCG business like ours, I think it, a crowdfunding is just important. It creates a, an army of brand ambassadors. And it's something, you know, BrewDog have used brilliantly to great, you know, their model is great effect. And to some degrees, we're copying that slightly. You know, they're an investor for punks, you know, it's, um, it, it's been brilliant for them. And outside of the pure capital, have you found any other benefits from going down the crowdfunding route? Yes, the marketing, you know, the whole marketing route itself is is has been great. You know, seeders do help you with that. It's um, a process which is you set a target of what you want to spend on marketing beforehand, and they will launch the marketing from their media platforms. Obviously, you can work on your own. LinkedIn is a very strong platform. And you find just by being on a crowdfunding platform, I get to speak to you know people like yourselves. We've just recently been had done an interview for The Times, The Grocer, just been seen in Proactive Investor and a few other publications. So it's actually creating our brand for us as well as raising money at the same time. You know, it is time consuming, but it's um it's something that's been very worthwhile for us as a business. And you mentioned there, when you start the process, you have a set budget in mind for marketing. Could you share roughly what that budget looks like and if that has changed over the course of your campaigns that you've launched on Cedars? Yeah, definitely. When we started off, we were only looking to raise a smaller amount of money. And I would say in percentage terms, it was very, very small. We've actually increased that. As we've seen, actually, it's been very effective. So we're happy to increase the budget. Again, it's not huge. We're not spending loads on marketing. But it's a very effective tool. You know, people need to know that you're out there crowdfunding, you know, before they can read, you know, get into read your story. And I think it's a double whammy, right? Hopefully you'll receive investment from that, but also those investors will become customers. So it's sort of an acquisition play as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's what I mentioned before, like for an FMCG business, you know, when you're launching brands, I know we have the manufacturing side as well. But, you know, when you're launching brands, I think it's, um, it's a great, great tool. And so talk us through the process. What do you have to do to launch a crowdfunding campaign and and how long typically does it take you? So I would say it is very time consuming, especially when you you are still running a business. Some people don't actually realize, you know, you don't just switch from a drinks business to an investment house and then back again, you you know, you are still running the day-to-day business. I would say the initial setup is centered around a campaign dashboard and you have to go through the regulatory process of you know, directors, KYCs, and, you know, sending your bank statements and bits and pieces like that, which would be standard. Then that's when you get into the more creative side of things, which again, will take a fair amount of time. You know, we shot up a video recently, which over two days, but then we weren't working on the business for those two days. We were just shooting this video. And in the end, we didn't like it. So we actually changed that video to one we've got at the moment. It's probably the shortest one we've ever done. It's just graphics. But I think it's probably the most engaging, the most punchy one we've done. I think the whole process, you know, allow three months. This is not something you're going to be doing. You're going to have this idea to start tomorrow and you'll have the money in the bank in three weeks' time. That's not the case. You know, even after the campaign closes, you know, you've got the closing paperwork. You've then got share sets and EIS certificates to send out. So you'll then be working with your lawyer and your accountant, changing the share cap table. It's a long process. You know, three months is probably the most realistic, sometimes slightly longer. On the topic of your video, I have to agree, very engaging. And I do recommend anyone to check it out on Cedars right now. 
One thing I wanted to, uh, to dive into, because I know we've spoken before, and I think this was after your second campaign. You mentioned for your first campaign, you actually filmed it on your iPhone. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, it wasn't always the plan to do it like that, but it was, um, I think we were touching on time again. We had the campaign pitch done. It was fantastic. We were trying to look into getting a production company to come up to Aintree in Liverpool where the factory was based. And if I'm honest, we ran out of time and the funds that, you know, that people wanted to come up and film this video. So then it was almost, right, what else can we do here? And technology has progressed, doesn't it? So we were wandering through booths, stores, and Asda at the time, um, going down the aisles with our iPhone, trying to capture some images, which I think you've seen it. And it's not actually that horrendous, but looking back, it does make me smile. But I think it just does show, right, that you were able to film that on a low budget, you know, in a very short amount of time. And just looking at the campaign, so you still ended up raising you know, over £1.7 million. So a top tip there, you don't always have to go high production. It is still possible to do it on a sort of a shoestring. And yeah, I think obviously since then you've learned from that. Do you have any specific top tips around the video that you've learned over the campaigns that you've launched? <laughs> Me and Ian, don't, don't, it doesn't come natural. Um, just because you, you know, an entrepreneur and you have a business, it doesn't mean you're going to be great in front of a camera. It's nerve wracking. And and I actually liked what we've now done, which we weren't on the camera at all. I do understand that people sometimes want to see the faces and the people behind the business. I do understand that. But actually, because we've done that already, I love what we've done now, where in fact, we've got you know our video, we've actually got Oprah Winfrey, Britney Spears, Bart Simpson. Who wants to see mine and Ian's face when you know you can see them? And you mentioned that this current campaign, you have uh, some institutional investment as part of the round. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and, and how long that took to get to, to get that secured? Yeah, so we've now got Harwood Capital, GPIM Investment Managers, um, WH Island, and we're actually talking to another couple actually at the moment. So yeah, I think it's a natural progression as, as the business progresses, as your valuation improves at the very start of any campaign or any business, yeah, it's a, a lot higher risk and you wouldn't you know, any institution would probably shy away from it at the very first seed money. As we've now progressed, institutions will, you know, our valuation is now 48 million pre-money. And we're now at the stage where our finances match our ambitions for institutional investment. And how long did that take roughly to secure that investment before then launching your seeders campaign? Yeah, so that's slightly different. And I would say that's probably a process from the initial people liking your initial idea to then go into, through a lot of due diligence that can take anywhere between, depending on who you're speaking to, two, three weeks, again, up to three months as well. So how did the investors feel about you crowdfunding? I know that we've had some uh, mixed opinions on this. Some entrepreneurs have said that VCs are very open to crowdfunding. Others have sort of shied away from it. Did you get any any sense or any any opinions from the VCs that are coming on board on this round about crowdfunding at all? Yeah, totally. Like my background is, is city and sometimes crowdfunding from a, a city point of view can be, I wouldn't say frowned upon, that's the wrong words, but maybe not understood. And, you know, working with someone like Cedars, it's all under one nominee. We have over two and a half thousand investors, all supportive, all pushing in the right direction. I don't see how, I, I can only see positives from it. I can't see any negatives. And in terms of your campaign target, how do you go about setting your campaign target? So our campaign target was set basically on the money that we needed to install these new machines and for us to grow and also have the money to really push and build the brands this year. 
we've decided to give a genuine target of what we were looking for. I know sometimes people might have a lot of, they might set a very low target and then be many multiples overfunded. That wasn't our intention. I think we just wanted to give a genuine idea of where we were, what we wanted. And so it's very clear and transparent of where we were. 5 million was our target. And I think we're currently at 6.2. And how much did you have pre-committed before launching your Cedars campaign? When we started these first campaigns, we pretty only had about 40%. And I'd recommend having 40 or more for your target. We actually had pretty much all the money in place, which we probably, I guess, might be a bit unusual. And how important do you think that is? What do you think the impact is versus your early campaigns when you had you know, 40% pre-committed? I guess the fear factor, the Cedars community and the crowdfunding community might not like your idea and uh, you might not reach your target. <laughs> you know, so this campaign, perhaps we were a little bit more relaxed. And did you go through a process of getting that sort of pre-commitment from your investor base and you know, your wider customer base before launching your campaign? Yeah, so we obviously... Um, have a really supportive network of two and a half thousand investors on the Cedars platform. But we also have 180 high net worths who are ultra high net worths, I guess you'd call them, which are investors that took up some of that preemption before this launch. And so did you send out a pre-commitment tracker before launch your campaign to get that idea? So just before the campaign, you know, I'd recommend this to anyone who's actually start promoting early. We sent a preemption right out to our existing shareholders. Um, I think nearly all of them um, invested again and followed their money, pretty much all. And then we did through Cedars, we sent a preemption email out to the Cedars community, which I think we got a response of about 350 people come back to us straight away to say, yeah, really interested and who weren't already investors in us already. So you were pretty confident going into this campaign. You know, you knew that commitment. You had the institutional investors, but also you had, you know, the backing of the investor base. I think any of these things, or anything in life, which you do, which is new, like our first campaign, you don't really know how it's going to pan out. We've always been very successful, which we're delighted with. And this one, perhaps, you know, that we had an inner confidence because we know how great this business is and and how great we've grown in the last three years. So I think it's something to be proud and confident about. And you mentioned that you know, typically the process takes around about sort of three months from start to finish. Do you rely on any external support services or the platform seeders themselves, or is this all done in-house? I know there's lots of companies out there that can help you with this, and some of them will take it off your hands completely. And that might be the right choice for someone. They will obviously charge you a commission of the raise. And when we looked into it, I think it was just a little bit too pricey for us. And we didn't want to lose control of what we were trying to do. So the majority of this was actually done in-house, um, but the video wasn't. Um, the video was done by a marketing agency in Leeds. The pitch and everything else was done in-house. And you mentioned that you relied on Cedars to do some marketing on their side. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so on for Cedars' campaign, you know, there will be emails that they can send out to the, their community. I think Cedars have a, a, yeah, nearly a quarter of a million um, people signed up to this, you know, that's a great marketing tool to access that. It will be across Cedar's social media platforms. On the back of this, you know, we would always try to update our LinkedIn page. I think LinkedIn is a great tool for this. And, and obviously Cedar's have done that as well. So far, you've launched all your campaigns on Cedar's. Has Crowdcube ever been a consideration for you? Do you know what? I'm sure Crowdcube are absolutely fantastic. I'm a little bit biased and because I was an early shareholder in Cedar's. Right, that was the natural route to go down. And since our first campaign, 
we've created really good working relationship with the guys at Cedars and sort of never looked back. So I'm sure there's other platforms out there, but that just from a personal point of view, because I was a shareholder in Cedars, it was just a natural fit that I would go there. And obviously their recent acquisition, great news for shareholders. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that at all. Yeah, well, I'm not a shareholder anymore, actually. I, I, I sold some of my shares. I don't think I've got any left, but no, it's, um, it's great for them and spreads the net even wider. So, you know, I'm, I think probably Cedars are the biggest at the moment and I think what well, they were, and I think it's just made them even bigger. So I'm not championing just Cedars, but it's, it's worked for us. And I want to talk about Cedars secondary market. Have you had any interactions with that or do you, you know, is that something that you check or is that not a concern uh, for you and the company? Yeah, no, I do check it every now and again. It's always interesting to see, you know, if you have any shareholders who are looking to sell and if they are, you know, the reason behind it, there's not been a lot of activity on there. Any shares which have gone on there have been bought by other investors straight away, which is interesting and and nice to see. But it's not something which has been that active for us, actually, because I don't think we've had many shareholders who are looking to sell anyway. We have a roadmap we've just um, started towards an IPO next year. And even then, the larger shareholders, I think, again, would be a buyer at the IPO, not a seller. It, we don't see it as a, an exit. I think it's more of a strategic milestone for us next year. And it's not something we're looking at as an exit route. But then, you know, with EIS and bits and pieces, I'm not sure why anyone would want to, to sell now, because I think you'd lose your EIS uh, tax relief anyway. So, you know, all buyers, not sellers at the moment. Yeah, good to hear. And what would you say is the most challenging part about launching a crowdfunding campaign? I think we touched on earlier, literally, I think it is the time that it does take. And I think don't underestimate that. It's almost like a full-time job in itself. And when you're trying, you know, our business is going along at 100 miles an hour at the moment, and you will find yourself on your laptop, on trains, you know, late at night, on your computer, just trying to catch up on the crowdfunding bits and pieces. Ian's done a fantastic job of, of answering the lots of the questions on there. But it is a full-time job. And you mentioned there about the investor forum and the questions that come through. Did you prepare any frequently asked questions ahead of the raise in anticipation of certain questions? You know what? We didn't. We were advised to do that, actually. And every every question we've had, we've answered off the cuff, which I think is a more natural way to do it. I didn't want to have pre-answers for any frequently asked questions. I think any individual who's asking a personal question I think we've always given a personal answer to them rather than just here is our standard reply to that type of question. And I think it's important if people are investing their money personally and, and they've, they've got a personal question, I think it's, it's only out of respect to answer it correctly in the right manner. Do you have any top tips for other entrepreneurs that might be thinking about crowdfunding? Communicate your message clearly and just try and create that buzz around what you're trying to do in your business. And, you know, promote your campaign before it even starts. And you know, for us, we've had people approach us with the interviews and stuff we've been doing. But don't be afraid to go out there and actually approach people and tell them what you're doing and ask them if they want to have a, a conversation or a cup of coffee. And do you see yourself continuing to launch crowdfunding campaigns moving forward? Well, I'd love to say yes, but um, we are in preliminary discussions about an IPO next year. Um, nothing's been finalised. But yeah, then discussions are ongoing at the moment <laughs> even though this race hasn't closed we've already been approached by a couple of people about our ipo next year and do you have any other thoughts or comments or learnings that you'd like to share with others that you think will be useful i think the main thing and i've stressed it a couple of times is the time 
that you have to commit to this. And I think that's probably the most important thing. And just try to create that buzz around what you're doing. But if you have a genuine story and your business is a great business, then it sort of creates its own buzz. And Steve, where can we find out more about the Happy Drinks Co.? Well, Happy Drinks Co., because obviously we just changed names to better reflect where we were. We were the Skinny Drinks Group. But with the launch of, we'll be launching at least two brands this year, which are going to be huge. But no, please have a look at our website, www.happydrinksco.com. Or do you know what? Just go on to Cedars and have a look and just ping us a message or an email. And we're always happy to have a chat. Great stuff, Steve. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Really nice to speak to you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more advice, head over to crowdfundingchampions.com and be sure to subscribe for the latest interviews.